0: You're listening to Let's Talk Entertainment, where entertainment comes together. Now, here's your host, Isaac Heyman.
1: Welcome back to Let's Talk Entertainment. We got another great guest for you this week. We got Fish Lee on the show. Fish, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, we're really excited to talk with you a little bit. Uh so just to start it off, go ahead and
0: if you could, just give
1: us a little background about yourself.
0: Uh, Well, back in the year of our Lord 1975, there was a baby boy brought upon this earth. Maybe that's a little too far back. (laughs) Maybe a little Um, too far. I I I am an interesting fellow. I have always worked in art, like since high school i've made my living one way or another as an artist you know either like doing t-shirts and signs or logo designs business cards or whatever i always wanted to get into comic books but for one reason or another it just didn't quite work out at the time i even tried some self-publishing back in the day but nobody wanted to sell those books and now i'm kind of glad they didn't because they were pretty gory and nasty (laughs) um (laughs) I also have a severe case of Tourette syndrome, which, you know, for most people, they think of the movies and the yelling out swear words, but for a lot of us, it's a lot of different things. For me, it's a lot of like severe motor ticks and stuff where my body shakes and, you know, does all kinds of weird convulsions. I spent like 15 years basically trapped in a wheelchair my body twitching and jerking I couldn't walk talk see most days my ex had to help feed me and you know like it was brutal for a long time Wow. and um luckily you know with some new treatments and some better meds and learning how to ride the waves of my nervous system instead of like trying to fight against the crashing waves I've it's got a little better and a little better and a little better. I started getting more exercise. I started eating better. Things got better. Um, and then I got to this point where like, I could look at start trying to do some work again. Cause you know, for like 15 years there, I couldn't do anything. And right. so I'm looking around, I'm trying to find someplace that'll hire me in advertising or, you know, someplace nearby that needs a graphic designer but I still have some limitations. Like I can't stand for a real long time. I can't guarantee I can always speak because sometimes my jaw will lock shut on me and I can't get anything out. So like answering phones can be tough. Uh, So I ended up being left with, I'm going to have to figure out a freelance career for myself that can work around my disabilities. And I just so happened at the right time to look into a series of commissions with a lot of up and coming indie comic book creators that had ideas they wanted to get out there. And I was quick and cheap and started doing a bunch of pinups and character drawings. And one thing led to another. I, uh, when I decided, okay, I think I can do this. I illustrated a comic for a friend of mine and I accomplished it and it went well and went quick. So I did my own comic book. Uh, T-Man and Hyperstrike published it at the beginning of 2019 and it was a comic book about a superhero team he is like the living embodiment of everyone in the world with Tourette syndrome so he has all of their combined motor tics and vocal tics he could scream with a thousand different words at one time and knock monsters down but he also has all their combined brilliance and creativity and intelligence and speed and strength and all the things that make us amazing too. He has all of that combined with it too. And then his partner has ADHD and she has used all this extra energy to become a, a martial arts expert and an engineer and designs a suit that fuels itself off of her extra energy. And she helps him beat the bad guys. And so I published this comic purely as a means of inspiring kids with Tourette's because in my In my work as like an advocate for people with Tourette's, I have met so many people like from 19 to 49 that won't go outside, are terrified to go grocery shopping. I can't have a job. I'm on disability. I can't drive. I'm never going to be able to get married. I'm never going to be able to have kids because I'm broken. I have. And some of them have very mild Tourette's. Like I met this one kid. He blinks a lot and swears maybe three, four times a month, and he's living on disability in the projects and can never get married, never have a life, I'm like, dude, you can do anything, I'm sitting here talking to you at the time, I've only got one eye and one finger, one thumb that works right, and I'm sitting here typing out these messages on my phone with this one thumb, and you know, you could drive, dude, go anywhere i know all kinds of places you could work they're not gonna care if you swear in the back of the shop but because somebody told him he was broken when he was a kid he just never tried and he internalized that so the whole point of that comic book was to try and get to kids before the world beats you down and tells you that you can't do it and you're worthless and help them focus on all the things that they can do because like Yeah, Tourette syndrome makes us tick and stuff, but it also makes our nervous system work really fast, which gives us a lot of creativity. We make great musicians and artists and athletes because our reflexes are really fast. And, you know, it can be beneficial. Like, I am a great storyteller because of how quickly my mind works. And it wouldn't run so fast if it wasn't for the Tourette syndrome. So, you know, it's it's a trade-off but uh that comic did really well um for a little indie comic like that i sold 400 copies in a year without even trying you know they just you know and it's mostly parents with Tourette's and stuff but that got me enough attention that since then i have been working steady on other indie comics I like to joke with people. I, I draw comics. Nobody's going to read, <laughs> but you know, a lot of these indie comics, you know, have a circulation, of maybe 200 people or something, but it's people that are getting their stories out there. They're just getting started in the indie comics world. They need somebody that can illustrate their book. So yeah, I'm there. I, it's kept me so busy over the last three years or so. I hadn't been able to put out another book but I'm just now getting a new series of my own that's coming out through my publisher Freestyle Comics Uh, goes to Kickstarter in April and I'm super excited about this it's not based around Tourette's syndrome it's a regular comic book but it's a really interesting world and I'm really excited about it and I'm excited I bring a lot to the table as the artist and I have great storytelling skills and I can really help elevate a lot of the scripts I'm given, but I'm really excited about this being my baby. And I came up with the idea. I write the script. I tell you where it's going and I'm really excited to see how people respond to this when it's all me, you know?
1: Yeah, that's super exciting. Uh, Congratulations on the success of the first book. Um, Thank you. yeah I think it's huge, and such a big part of the world today is you have to be a certain way, look a certain way, do a certain thing
0: mm-hmm. um, and
1: I just I hate that um because everybody's different in their own way, and I think it's really important to be unique um, so absolutely, so, so I think it's great that you're pushing for that.
0: It's one of the things that still I every time I'm lucky that for the most part, I work with the same group of creators over and over again, because, you know, a lot of these guys that were getting started at the same time that I came in have really upped their game. And like one of the writers I'm working for, he's, he's shooting for putting out six books a year now. So like the same group of guys I work with all the time have kept me pretty busy year round, which is great. But when I do work with new clients, I have to go through this whole process with them of explaining, you know, I'm, I'm a neurodivergent artist. And sometimes that can cause issues like, because my nervous system doesn't necessarily work right. I can get a whole lot of work done one day. And I, I amaze people with how fast I am, (laughs) but some days I might not be able to walk or I might not be able to use my right hand. So if I can't draw, like I could be out for two days, all of a sudden, And they're getting just page after page after page and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm down for two days. We got to deal with that. Um, I'm also, you know, on the higher functioning end of the autism spectrum. So sometimes we can get into miscommunications where I don't pick up on the social cues and stuff that they're expecting me to pick up on. And then when you throw in working through, Uh, text message, you know, like in messenger, there's no tone to go along with it, there's no face to read as they're talking. And so sometimes we can have some miscommunications there. And like, I, I like to explain to new, new clients that I'm working with, like, when I do a page, when I read your script, I'm going to give you the most awesome page I can think of. If it's not what you want, like if the pencils aren't the way you like it, you want something changed. I need you to give me very clear, direct instructions on what you want. Telling me to make it more awesome doesn't do me any good because I already gave you the most awesome way I can envision it. If you want it a different way, I want you to get that. Even if I don't think it's awesome, even if your idea of the coolest looking page, I think is kind of lame and hard to read and doesn't tell the story as well. If that's what you want, I'm going to give you what you want and make it the best I can make it but I need you to be really clear in what you want. Like, you know, when you say like, well, I want her to be, you know, fat, but not like ugly fat. That's too vague. <laughs> I need like some, some images or some really clear descriptions on what you want because, you know, like I drew one character, specifically the client said like, yeah, I want her to be thick and curvy. You know, I want her to be a big woman, but I don't want her to be like ugly fat. So I drew this beautiful curvy woman, you know, that I thought was gorgeous. And the client was like, dude, I didn't want her like ugly fat. I just mean like curvy. I was like, okay, look, you're going to have to clarify (laughs) for me because it's too subjective, you know? Right. But so that's when I have the most problem with new clients because like, I'm real good at masking, you know, and I have learned how to mimic and copy all the social stuff that other people do so that I can be lively and I can be, hey, it's Uncle Fish, how you doing? And, you know, keep the party rolling and, you know, get along with people easier. But like when we get to a stalemate or I get confused or I don't know what I need to do or now I have to go back and scrap three pages and redraw them, sometimes that mask slips off. And people think that I'm mad at them or something. No, I'm not mad. I'm just being direct. All that, all that, Hey, buddy, didn't want to hurt your feelings, but if you could, you know, all those little things that we add into conversations to smooth things over and to ease everybody's nerves. Sometimes that slips away when I'm trying to figure out, look, just tell me what you need.
1: (laughs) Right. Sometimes you need to get straight to the point and not,
0: But I think we all need to learn how to do that because there's more and more neurodivergent people coming into the workforce and whether it's ADHD or it's autism or, you know, all kinds of different things. And there's no reason that we can't all work together. We just have to learn that, okay, maybe I don't need to worry about my feelings so much because he does, he's not going to understand that, but we can work together. We just got to figure it out.
1: Yeah, we can all come together in some way, and make a common goal. Absolutely. Uh, so, talking about your Tourette syndrome, how, how, what has life been like with that? Like, how has that
0: been Whew. for you? It has been brutal, brother. Let me tell you, <laughs> I am. I'm a actually, I'm an unusual case, but I'm not unheard of like my tics were really relatively mild when I was a kid. And so I never got diagnosed as a kid, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 30. Um, You know, my tics would be things like tugging on my clothes, rubbing my nose, wiping the edges of my mouth, repeating things I heard on TV over and over and over and over again. uh, Stuttering, holding my breath, like lots of Weird little things that didn't come off as that odd. You know, like a lot of kids might blink and sniff and shrug and little things, and you think, oh, they've got allergies or something like that. And mine, yeah, I was just a weird kid, you know, and it's not uncommon for a kid to repeat something they heard on TV a thousand times. But like, I remember one day I was jumping on my bed, screaming, fill it to the rim with brim from the old brim coffee commercials. (laughs) And, uh, the little girl lived next door is my best friend. She came over to play that day and I'm jumping up and down on the bed, screaming this at the top of my lungs. And this is like the third day I have been yelling this out. (laughs) And she's like, if you don't quit saying this, I'm going home. And I remember I'm just sitting there bouncing, saying, fill it to the rim with brim. And she left, and I'm crying, jumping up and down. <laughs> and I knew something was wrong because I should be able to stop this so that I can play with my friend. But I couldn't, and I didn't know why. And there would be times throughout like school growing up that it would get so severe that like I would be out of school for a few days or a week and we'd be going to the doctors to try and figure out, you know, what this mystery illness is. And then it would do something weird. Like I remember one time, this was like probably the fourth time we've gone through this and, you know, the middle of the school year and it's been getting tough and I've been out of school for a week. And they're take mom's taking me to like the fourth doctor this week. And then my eyes crossed and I couldn't get them to uncross. And the doctor was like, well, obviously he's faking this for attention. And that became my new diagnosis that I was just desperate for attention. And I was doing stupid stuff to get it. And I remember my mom yelling at me, like I was crying in the bedroom because I could not get my eyes to uncross. And like she had brought me a grilled cheese sandwich and I couldn't catch it to eat it because I couldn't focus because my eyes were crossed and she just yelled at me. I could cross my eyes too, if I want to quit faking it. And so from then on, like I was convinced for the longest time that this was just some desperate need for attention and I needed to figure out how to fight this. So I fought against it as hard as I could. And I would fight to hold in, you know, these impulses and this burning on my nervous system and I could do it for a while and a lot of people, some people get really good at suppressing the ticks or suppressing them and letting them letting that energy come out in ways that aren't as noticeable, like tugging on the hem of your shirt or something or clearing their throat instead of yelling out, you know, rubber tugboat or something. I'm I'm not that good at that. Uh, The more I try and hold it in, the more it builds up and the worse it gets. Uh, but for me and a lot of other adults that I've met that are still severe as adults had a similar story where theirs just got worse and worse as they got older and mine did the same thing. By the time we got married, it was, I was going to the hospital about once a year for these weird symptoms that I would have that would start to cascade and get real bad. And they'd think I was having a stroke or something. And, you know, I would have like paralysis ticks where I can't move my body and you just flop on the ground or I can't move one arm or, you know, one side of my face. And if you lose your right arm and the right side of your face doesn't move, they think you're having a stroke. So we go through all this stuff at the heart hospital and no, he's not having a stroke. And, you know, it doesn't seem to be related to my heart. So he's faking it for attention. And eventually it got so bad that i couldn't work anymore i i was working third shift at walmart over christmas for extra money and i'm <laughs> i think now looking back just the stress of it got to me cuz it was a very stressful environment and we had people there that were just really bad managers and stuff that were just ugh, it was brutal so i think the stress really set it off but i'm like dragging my right leg and my right arm along because neither one of them will work and I've got boxes in my left hand trying to stock the shelves and they sent me home and fired me and uh, I didn't work again until just a few years ago like for 16 years I didn't work again because I couldn't find another job after that and then eventually after a few years of digging around I was seeing the same neurologist for years here in town. He is the best neurologist. He's the star of the hospital. He is the dude. And he tried figuring it out for a while. And he finally came up with the amazing diagnosis of, I was faking it for attention. And because it's not Huntington's, because I don't have the markers for that. It's not MS because I don't have lesions on my, uh, brain stem. And it's obviously not Tourette's because I don't swear. And so, okay. It, it's none of those things. If the local weatherman on channel 11 THV had not come out and done a special about the fact that he has Tourette syndrome, I never would have gotten diagnosed period. He, the night before he came out, they had a special about what Tourette's syndrome what Tourette's syndrome was. And somebody in our newsroom has Tourette syndrome. Who is it? And they had this professor on and everybody from church starts calling me like, this guy on TV looks just like you. He has Tourette syndrome. You do too. I was like, no, I don't. I don't swear. He said, you don't have to just watch it. So I go, I go back, I look it up online And I'll be dang, this guy looks exactly like me. he's a big fat guy, he's got a beard, and he is just thrashing wildly in his chair as he's talking like at the time I thrashed constantly, I could not quit moving my arms and legs are thrashing. I have given myself so many concussions over the years from my head shaking so hard, that if I shake my head no too hard, I will give myself another concussion now. Wow. (laughs) because it just compounds the damage time after time after time. Right. So, but I see this guy, he explains what Tourette's syndrome is that you don't have to swear. It's all kinds of different things. It's, it's a, it's a misfiring in your nervous system. It's like the wiring in your brain, the insulation on the wiring is too thin. So you get a lot of short circuits that go directions. They're not supposed to go. And it can be just wild short circuits that cause twitches and sniffs and blinks it could be the signals going like sometimes the signals to my eyes get switched somehow and like my eyes will stay closed and they will flash open to blink instead of flashing closed. And I'm just stuck. I can't see, but snippets every couple of seconds when I would have been blinking and I've gotten real good at getting around blind, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I go see a new doctor and I'm just shaking and thrashing in this room. And he walks in, he's like, how long have you had Tourette's? I was like, well, my doctor said I didn't. He's like, oh yeah, you absolutely do. (laughs) And he spotted it right away. But the other doctor is working off a paragraph that he saw in med school 20 years ago. And he's associated Tourette's swearing. And it's some of us do, but that's only like 10%. I mean, that's still one out of 10, and I do every once in a while, but that's not what Tourette syndrome is, but that's what so many people think it is, like to the point that when I introduce myself to new people, especially if my tics are bad, and it's like, it's going to be real obvious, so I need to explain what this is, I'm not just making faces at you for no reason, (laughs) I will go through and explain to people, I have a neurological disorder, and essentially, you know, the wiring's then the whole thing, which causes little short circuits, which will make me twitch or jerk or yelp or say weird things. You know, it's not personal. It's just this. I will explain what it is and what my symptoms are and then say Tourette syndrome. So they're listening. Oh, what is this new interesting condition I'm finding out about? That's Tourette syndrome. If I flip it and I say I have Tourette's, people shut down. Their, okay, I know what that is. I saw Deuce Bigelow and they don't look any deeper into it they don't listen to anything i'm saying so i've learned I get better results explaining what it is usually before i drop the word and then they don't get stuck in their preconceived notions
1: yeah well i appreciate you sharing that with me because i didn't know that as well
0: absolutely so
1: you learn something new every day
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you're listening you do (laughs) Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is DJ JC, and I'm one of the DJs over at Super Cool Radio. I host a one-hour metal show called The Brutal Block. We have new episodes every Tuesday dropping at noon. So if heavy metal music is something that you're into, then make your way over to The Brutal Block. Throw up the horns, and let's get rockin'.
1: Waits. So you like concerts, podcasts, and music, and you don't listen to Concerts That Made Us Podcast? Oh man, you're missing out. You've got to head over there straight away. They have interviews with the best up-and-coming bands, as well as some famous ones thrown in the mix too. And don't even get me started on the concert stories. Oh man, are they wild. That's Concerts That Made Us Podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all podcast players. Now back to this week's interview. Uh, so talking about comic books, how, how did you get into wanting to do comics? Like, I know authors sometimes just start writing and uh, musicians just come around music how did you get into comic books
0: it's kind of funny like I've always been a storyteller from the time I was a kid I would be I was a liar as a kid because I didn't know you could just make up stories so I would tell people that these things happened to me and I would always get in trouble (laughs) for lying you know but I didn't realize you could just like make up a story and say, you know, what if there was a world and this happened? So I'd be like, yeah, this happened to me on the way home, (laughs) and you know, get in trouble for it. But I've always been a storyteller. Like that's just core to who I am. And I would like sit at the feet of like funny old men and listen to the way they would craft stories and see how they would turn even the most mundane trip to the grocery store into a fascinating story. And I would just eat it up and, you know, learn how to craft the things that happened to us, you know, like in high school, into really amazing stories to the point that some people didn't even believe the stories because I told it so well. I'm like, no, this literally happened, but it sounds like a TV show when you tell it well enough. And, you know, suddenly they don't believe that you actually did that but uh so the storytelling has always been there and that's one of the things that i love most about comics um becoming an artist is actually kind of funny because i always wanted to be an engineer and i wanted to be an inventor and build awesome you know new devices as a kid and when i saw the movie goonies i freaking fell in love with data i wanted to be him so bad I wanted to build the jacket with all the gadgets and gear in it and the punching glove and the chattering teeth that spring out and catch you before you fall into the stalagmites and die. And like, I, I wanted, I wanted to be him so bad. So I start designing this coat that I'm going to build. And my mom, the saint that she was, the brilliant woman that she was told me that she was not going to take me to the junkyard looking for, uh technology for my jacket until I had detailed plans of what I needed and we're only bringing those things home because she knew in her foresight that (laughs) I was going to bring home every cool piece of junk that I found. Oh, look at this hubcap. I could do something with it. And you know, my house would be full of junk. So it was smart on her part. So I start drawing out all these detailed plans. And I had always been like, I was the best artist in kindergarten, you know, but that means like I could draw a cooler dragster out of two circles in a triangle than the other kids. So like, you know, it wasn't that talented, but I started drawing and drawing out these plans and the jacket got more complicated and more complicated. And then I got into inspector gadget. And now I have to figure out how to make helicopter blades spin on my head. <laughs> and surely I could get a, I could get a football helmet and put a lawnmower motor up there and get blades on it. And I could hold that on my head and not end up twisting my head off. Yeah, that'll work. And, and eventually it grows into like this whole suit of Iron Man armor that I'm designing and then eventually I'm just designing supervillains and, and superheroes. And then I realized like I could be a superhero. And I was like, well, wait a minute, there's no supervillains to fight. And so that's pointless. And then I realized, Hey, there's no superheroes. I could be a supervillain. <laughs> so then I decided I'm going to be a supervillain. So I start designing this and how I'm going to equip my minions and build my lair and what kind of crazy, you know, vehicles I'm going to build. And then eventually like I'm just building all these worlds in my imagination and I've given up on even trying to make any of this stuff anymore. And I was swept up in it, you know, and, and the artwork lends itself so well to comic books and comic books match in the illustration and stuff that I love to do. And then I'm talented at with the storytelling. That's my real passion. And it was just, I fell in love and, you know, and when I'm in junior high and middle school and stuff like books, like the Ninja Turtles come out, the black and white original ones, you know, and I fell in love. Like it spurred my imagination and indie comics, you know, the black and white newsprint indie comics were where the weird stuff was happening. The real imaginative wild things were happening. And I just ate it up. And it got my imagination spurring and going in all kinds of different directions. And, you know, like the standard superheroes and stuff are cool. Like I like, I love Spider-Man and Batman and all of that stuff. I collected it all. I've got thousands of issues in boxes put away, but the indie stuff where people were doing new things things like heavy metal magazine that's collecting stories from all over europe you know where people have all kinds of different things spurring their imaginations and it's not all just superheroes and tights but it's all these alien worlds and political intrigue and all this other stuff oh man that spurred my imagination and you know with my Tourette's and stuff, my brain is always going a million miles an hour and I am a constant fount of creativity and ideas just bursting out of my head. And, you know, so this is a medium that really lends itself well to being able to capture that and being able to put it out quickly. And like, I can put out a comic book by myself that has worlds and planets and universes full of people and history. Like if I were to try and make a short film and put it on YouTube, I would need actors and props and sets and, you know, all of this stuff that would cost way more money and take more time. Or I can sit down and draw it on paper and staple it together and sell it to you. And you can see the same thing. And in a much grander scope, quicker and easier, I just, I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, um, sounds awesome. Uh, I have to ask the question, which do you prefer, Marvel comics or DC comics?
0: If it's between those two, then it would absolutely be Marvel. I like a lot of what DC has done, like since my childhood, but like when I was a kid, dc was kind of boring you know and like back in the 80s they kind of worked really hard in the like late 70s 80s to make the characters all cookie cutter and they're all basically the same looking guy with the same body and the same thing if you just just change the hair and put a different symbol on his chest and you've got superman or batman or green lantern and that they were all like super boy scouts and Superman was the superest boy scoutiest of them all. And, you know, this was before the dark Knight and all this stuff and Frank Miller and things like that. So they were kind of boring to me where the guys over at Marvel had problems. And, you know, I did not enjoy watching Peter Parker struggle over the bills as much or struggle with which girl was he going to ask out when i didn't like girls yet at the time but but the fact that they were more complicated and had troubles and got beat down and spider-man is laying with this entire building collapsed on him and maybe he's going to give up but you know he can't give up and he ends up pushing the whole thing off like the fact that they struggled at all with this stuff i just found fascinating and i liked the grittier more realistic heroes in marvel and you know they didn't have it super easy like everybody in DC seemed to have it, and so out of the two, I preferred Marvel.
1: Yeah, I've really noticed. Over, the, <clears throat> excuse me. throat i all groggy. Yeah, I've noticed. Uh, I've really enjoyed Marvel. Um, being a 26 year old young man, uh, they've really come up from our, from this time. Um, mm-hmm. um so I've been a real big fan of them. I've never really gotten to DC. Never was really a a huge DC fan. I mean, I watched the Justice League as a kid.
0: Oh yeah, um, but
1: that's about as far as I went with it.
0: And like the Justice League animated series, there was some good writing in there, particularly for Superman, because at the point I thought you could not have an interesting Superman story at all. But seeing you know, getting glimpses of like when he's in that fight with dark side and he's talking about how like I live in a world made of cardboard and I can finally let loose on you. Like that started to make Superman a more interesting character to me finally because he wasn't just super good at everything and could figure everything out and could build absolutely perfect life-like robot doubles that nobody can tell aren't him. And you know, like it was just all too easy for him. If you can blow out a son, which he's done, then where's the challenge for you anymore? You know, and like I there they did some really good stuff in that series with him, which started to change my opinion of him. And since then, people have done some really neat stuff with him and shown like what it's like struggling for him to live in this world It's made it more interesting. He's still not my favorite character just because he's just got so much. There's, it's hard to come up with cool stuff for him, but they have definitely made him more interesting than he used to be.
1: Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> uh, So moving along, um, Dr. Marvel says they're the greatest ever
0: and can <laughs> ever compared to them. Anyway. Uh <laughs> Except for my uh, new book, Green Zone, because that's going to give them a run for their money.
1: Yeah, let's, let's talk about Green Zone. Uh, oh, what's man. The, what's the basic synopsis if you want to share with that?
0: Absolutely. Green Zone takes place in a world where anybody can be born a genome, which is any anybody that has a mutation to their genetic structure that gives them any kind of powers or augmentations. And it can be stuff as subtle as you have pointed ears and spots or... As far as you shoot fireballs and can fly through outer space, like, you know, it could be anything, you know, it's essentially like the mutants from Marvel, but I, I could not help but take a grittier more realistic look at that and be like, what would it actually be like if we had people like this in our world. So after Some bad experiences after some genomes, you know, robbed banks and did bad things after they tried to force integration in schools in the 70s and there was the event at PS 143 where they tortured this poor little genome kid relentlessly until he ended up exploding in the school genomes are looked at as supervillains waiting to happen, you know they're all walking nuclear warheads as far as the humans are concerned. And, you know, as soon as you get as soon as you get found out that you're a genome, you lose your citizenship, you lose all rights and you get shipped off to the blocks, which are these super powered ghettos and they're these gigantic overbuilt concrete block ghetto buildings that are, you know, all the walls are three feet thick so hopefully they don't blast through it with you know their fireballs or their ice rays or whatever. And you just shove all these genomes in there and they're struggling to survive. And if you want out of the blocks, if you want a better life, if you want to get your green card and get your right to vote and your citizenship back, then you have to prove to us that you're not one of the bad ones, that you're one of the good ones. And to do that, they passed a law where you have to serve the greater good for five years to prove that you're not a threat to humanity which is either like the military, the police force, the fire department, um, some other civil service things that you can do. And in my book, Green Zone Life in the Blocks, we're following a new recruit, a new group of recruits to the police force on their first shift. And, you know, one of them is officer Bellamy. She's this thin, slight little girl and she's got these purple porcupine spikes all over her body. And, you know, you can see it in her body language when she moves. She's always, like, uncomfortable in her own skin. She's nervous to be around people. She's constantly afraid of bumping into anybody because the laws are stacked against you. If she accidentally bumps into somebody on a bus and sticks them with her spikes, she could get charged with unlawful use of supernatural force and potentially go to prison for years because she bumped into somebody you know so she's constantly uncomfortable in her own skin and being a cop is the absolute last thing in the world she wants to do but she's never going to be able to get out of the blocks and have a better life if she doesn't uh one of the guys that we follow is virgil green and he is an eight foot tall lizard monster dude like he's giant he's an eight foot tall horny toad if you've ever seen those it's covered in spikes looks like a giant lizard he looks terrifying he looks imposing he's got these giant claws for fingers like he looks like an absolute menace he is the sweetest kindest guy you could ever hope to meet he has lived in the blocks absolutely alone his entire life he's never had a mother or father to fend for him Everybody has always treated him like a monster. We see in the book, he catches his first felony charge at five years old because, you know, the cops, some genome cops from the G unit, you know, that come into the blocks and they see him and they start picking on him. And, you know, it, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but when he has a natural fear reaction to these guys, you know, picking on him, they treat that as a, unlawful use of supernatural force beat the crap out of him and then give him a felony charge at five you know granted at five he's like six feet tall but you know he's a giant like that comes with it but so we get to see this dude hates the cops more than anything in the world the last thing he wants to do is be on the police force he hates violence he's very timid guy on the inside but this is his best hope of getting out of the blocks all he wants to do is open up a little bookshop and spend his life disappearing into books where he can be anything other than this giant terrifying monster and you know but he can't do that unless he risks his life for five years and so we're gonna do it um and they get paired up with different training officers you know and there's there's so many different people in this world. You know, there's humans that hate the gnomes. There's humans that like to keep gnomes around as friends or might like to date them, like, ooh, look how risque I'm being. There are gnomes that look terrifying, like Virgil and Bellamy. There are gnomes that look perfectly human and have very minor superpowers, like maybe you can magnetize paperclips to your fingers, you know, but you're a genome and you have to earn your way out of the blocks. And you know, these guys are known as lawn gnomes because, you know, they look pretty and the humans like to keep them around for decoration and say, see, I've got gnomes that work with me. One of my best friends is a gnome. Yeah, I'd never let him into my house, but yeah, he's one of my best friends. Yeah. And, you know, these are the guys that get promoted to ceremonial positions at work, so says, yeah. see we have a gnome that's a manager on the team he doesn't really have any power nobody really works under him but he's a manager see we promoted him and you really get to see just how terribly the deck is stacked against these guys and um virgil's training officer is a lawn gnome he's like second generation on the police force his dad has been on the police force his entire career. He really thinks he can break through the genetic ceiling and he's going to, you know, make it up the ranks. And if we just try hard enough and, you know, if we don't give them any reason to fear us, we can work hard enough and we can get anywhere a human can get. And his son, Danny Kim, who's Virgil's training officer is kind of a slacker and has had everything handed to him by his dad and doesn't take any of this seriously, but still. You know, comes off and says things to Virgil like, you know, hey, we're both gnomes. We got to stick in this together because we're the same, you and I. And they're not the same. People don't react to them the same. They absolutely have completely different lives. Danny's grown up in the suburbs. Virgil has grown up alone, living in a closet for the water heater in the projects because he doesn't even have a family to stay with. You know, like they are not the same. But Kim's kind of blind to that because, you know, because he is Uh, Bellamy covered with all these porcupine spikes is teamed up with officer waters. And she's like eight months away from her five years. And she is so ready to get there and get out. And she's kind of mean and she's kind of hard on Bellamy because she doesn't want Bellamy getting her killed when she's only got eight months left and she's out and then she never has to do this job again. And we see how she gets disrespected by humans and treated like a mall cop. And, you know, again, I don't even want to give too much away, but just responding to a call, things go really bad, really quickly. And oh, it's so good. And this world has so much potential for so much interesting storytelling. I mean, there's corruption and there's deceit and there's, you know, guys that get put on the force by gangs and stuff so we can have an inside man. And, you know, at some point, the people that we love and that we've been following, the humans above them were like, this dude has to be dirty and are just finding all these excuses to stack against him. You know, like, well, we've seen you hanging out with known gang leaders. We have it on security footage. They literally live in the same block. They've been assigned this housing by the government. They don't have a choice of where they go. You've got to walk by this guy's house to get out of the blocks to get to the bus. Like, yeah, you have me on security footage getting harassed by him daily. You forced me to live here. Like, no, you're a, you're an accomplice. You're, you're, you've got to be down with him. Ain't nobody in this block, you know, not on his payroll. And it doesn't matter that, you know, you've lived your whole life in misery because you wouldn't get on his payroll. No, you're dirty because you're dirty because you're a genome. And it's, oh, there's so much good stuff. I want to give everything away because in my, I've, I finished the first book. The second book's almost finished. I'm in my head. I'm on the fifth book already. (laughs) It's, it's exciting. And I'm really, I'm so excited for this April because April 4th is when we launch the Kickstarter and it's going to be a short one. Like a lot of times comic books have like a 30 day Kickstarter we're doing two weeks. And so it's going to be short, but I'm really excited to see, how many people want to take this ride with me because it's going to be an amazing ride. Uh, like I said, the second book is almost finished. I'm hoping by the end of this year, I am transitioning out of doing everybody else's books. Cause like I've been doing books like the Sentinels for standard comics, uh, five star for FSK. I've been doing the power company, which is a team book. I've been doing all these indie books for the last three years now. By the end of this year, I'm going to transfer over to just doing my own books. So, like, starting next year, I'm hoping to take Green Zone every two months. And I'm really excited to see who wants to jump on and enjoy this ride because there's so much interesting stuff coming.
1: That sounds awesome. I'm really excited to check it out and can't wait to see where you go with it. Um, I'm intrigued. Very
0: intrigued. Oh yeah. I'm excited about it. Like if this wasn't my book, I would still be excited about it because <laughs> man, just the potential. Like I can't I can't watch a TV show, I can't experience anything in real life, I can't have a conversation with somebody without being like, "Oh man." If that happened to Virgil, oh, oh, that would have, this would go there. And oh man, if that happened to Bellamy, oh, forget about it. She'd go to prison for that right there. Cause she, you know, she would have spiked them without even realizing it. And oh man, that would cost waters everything. And would she get kicked out when she's so close to getting her citizenship. And I mean, like, it's just such an interesting landscape to put any bit of story into that oh, I've got I've got people coming to me left and right with, oh, I've got an idea. Oh, I got an idea for a character. Uh my TikTok feed is pretty much full of me like randomly rolling up characters. I will roll dice and go through old role-playing game books looking for powers and abilities, or use generators online and make up new characters and draw them on my TikTok on our podcast, Five Star Fridays we do the same thing. We'll roll up random powers. The guest we have on that day talking about their comics, we'll pick a power. The audience will pick one. I'll pick one and draw a new character. And all these characters are so cool. And they're all going to end up in green zone at some point, you know, as background characters or thugs or gangsters or policemen or whatever. And it's really interesting. If the book does well, I've got plans for a whole series about like, You know, green zone on the SWAT team, on the fire department, uh, on the sanitation department, you know, the military special ops, like following all these different groups of genomes in all these different places and, you know, what their experiences are like. It's it's such fertile ground. It gets me excited.
1: (laughs) That sounds really cool. I'm really, really pumped for it.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: so where can people go to check out some of your work? Uh,
0: one of the best places to go, if you want to follow what I'm doing, uh, my Facebook page, my Instagram, my TikTok feed, it's all Mr. Fish Comics, MR Fish Comics. Uh, you can follow me there. I'm in the process right now of trying to revamp my webpage, Mr. Fish Comics because I haven't updated it since before I published T-Man and HyperStrike. (laughs) It still has like a coming soon from three and a half years ago. But I'm in the process of updating that so that we can have it as a launching platform to point you to the next Kickstarter or where to buy the book. Uh, My publisher, Freestyle Comics... They have a website, fsknow.com, and you can go there and buy any book that they've got, the merchandise, the swag. After the Kickstarter, my book will be there for sale. Books I've worked on, like Five Star, are there. If you go to my Mr. Fish Comics page on Facebook, there's a page a post pinned to the top of the page that has a list with links to where you can buy all of the different issues of comics that I've worked on, not all like 30 of them are up for sale online in different places, but like 20 something of them are on now, some of them still have yet to be to actually come out and be published. But, uh, you know, different publishers go at different rates. but. but the Facebook page is one of the best places to follow me because I'm always posting new videos, new images of the work that I'm working on, new snippets from whatever book I'm working on at the time. And uh, it's going to have nothing but updates from now through the first half of April about the Kickstarter that's coming. So that's a really good place to follow me is Facebook.
1: Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll put your links in the description. and. <clears throat> Be sure to follow you there and send people your way. Uh, do you have any advice for any up and coming artists that want to get into comic books?
0: Woo! Brothers and sisters. Oh, you got another hour. Let's sit down. <laughs> We're, we fixing to have a fish talk right here. If you really want some of my best advice, I've done a whole series on my TikTok with advice for artists. And like the first I think 14 TikToks I did were all about don't spend the money until the job's done because it's such an important thing. And I see so many young freelance artists get themselves in trouble with this. You don't spend the money until the job's done. I don't care why. I just want to get a cup of coffee. Well, the hard truth is if you cannot afford to buy a $5 cup of coffee without dipping into the money from a job you haven't finished. You can't afford to buy a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and that's okay. Make some instant at the house. I don't care, but get the job done first, then spend the money. Cause nothing gets you in more trouble than spending the money first. You know, maybe you got to buy supplies. Maybe, maybe that's necessary. Maybe you're doing a mural and you got to rent some equipment or something. Okay. That's necessary, but you don't spend the money until the job's done. It will get you in trouble every time you spend it. You didn't get the job done. Now you still got to pay the rent. So you're out looking for more work. Hey, I'm taking commissions. And you've got a list of people here that haven't got their work done. And that ruins your reputation. I just got super excited about a guy that I met. And I loved his artwork. I loved his prices. Because his prices are cheaper than mine. And I'm pretty cheap. And we got to talking. And I was going to start using him to color green zone from like issue two on and I was really excited about it until I asked around about his reputation and I got person after person be like yeah I paid him for something a year and a half ago and he never did it and I see him knocking out commissions for other people left and right if he likes your book maybe he'll finish it but I've given up on ever getting the money back for my job I can't work with somebody like that and you know I would have I would have been happy to use this guy for the next 10 issues. And now he doesn't get any of that work because he's burned so many clients. And, and it's it's an easy trap to fall into. But once you spend that money, the incentive for doing the job is gone. And you can't leave customers hanging like that. Even if it means you got to eat crackers and ramen noodles for a week until you finish this job, you do it. And then you finish the job, you've got the money, you can spend it, you can do what you need to do. Like I've been there. There've been times that like I desperately needed to buy groceries and I'm one page away from finishing the job. And I'm like, ah, I could just go spend some of it now, but I'm not even going to risk. I'm not going to start down that path because it'll get you in so much trouble. But yeah, I've got just so much advice on my TikTok, Mr. Fish comics about, you know, how to look for work, how to handle yourself professionally, uh, you know, how to post regularly. I have alarms set all day long to go off to remind me it's time to post. I don't hit every single one of those, but I'll hit like at least two of them during the day. And it reminds me while I'm working, I'm like, okay, I can stop for 20 minutes right now and make some posts and share them to different groups and stuff and get it out there. And you know, you do that regularly and you get in front of more eyes and more people see your work, more people know it's coming. And like in social media, you got to make like 20 posts sometimes for some people to see it once, you know, like I've got friends that I see all the time on social media. I see their kid's birthday. I saw the steak they took their wife out to for dinner, never saw that they were running a Kickstarter. You know, I didn't see it until I went on Kickstarter and searched their name. And then I go back and look at their Facebook page and there's all kinds of posts about their Kickstarter. I never saw one of them. Hmm. So like you got to post a lot. You got to post regularly just for a chance of enough people to see it, to say, Hey, this guy does pretty cool work. I'd like to hire him. My son's in that position right now. You know, he's about to graduate high school and he's posting every single day, putting out new work, and like, yeah, if you're interested in a commission, hit me up. Just, you know, trying to build that, you know, bed of clients that like your work and come back and get more, you know?
1: Yeah. And that algorithm is. Mind It'll logging. kill <laughs> you.
0: Oh, it's so brutal. And it's, they have started to work it against like self-promoting and stuff. It's so, like, if you put links in it, they'll keep people from seeing it. Like used to on my Mr. Fish comics page, it used to be Tourette's life, because I I did a series of cartoons about my life with Tourette's. And I would do funny little one panel cartoons about something that happened to me, you know, yelling out crazy ticks or, you know, yelling out the cat has a day job or whatever. Because I'll yell out really complex things sometimes, you know, not just like, oh, oh, oh. And um, so I did a series on that for a while but I really wanted to get into my love of like long form storytelling. So I switched to comics and used to, when I started that page, I had like 4,000 fans on there at one point, and it would be nothing when I made a post for 2000 people to see it out of those 4,000 fans. Now they've changed the algorithms and stuff. Now, when I make a post, I'm lucky if 200 people out of that 4,000 see it and even when I paid like 50 bucks or something to get it boosted out just to my fans of my page, that 50 bucks only got it in front of 800 eyes. That stinks. You know, that is not working well in our favor. Now I'm sure if I had invested five grand in it, they would have made sure everybody saw it, but you know, a small businessman has a hard time doing that, especially if you're not getting good results on it. Right.
1: So, yeah, we'll be sure to drive people to your social accounts and looking forward it. Looking forward to the Kickstarter in April. That'll be exciting. Oh, yeah. I'm so to, pumped. Can't wait to check out Green Zone. Sounds like such a great story.
0: I'm really excited for it.
1: Well, Mr. Fish, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Uh, can't wait to see what you do in the future and best luck to you. huge thank you to Fish Lee for coming on the show this week really enjoyed having him on the show be sure to go support him follow his socials be sure to check out Green Zone and help out with that kickstarter in April it's going to be a great book and I can't wait to read it also, talking about our friends Every Podcast I Love Is Dead is now streaming on Twitch we will put the link on our Facebook page so go check that out go hang out with Nolan, a lot of fun, of place game. he says he plays games, talks like he usually does because Nolan never stops talking, but that's fine. So go check him out on Twitch. We're going to start working on getting some streaming stuff going on over here as well. I know it's been crazy lately guys, not a lot of content has been pumping out, but we're working on it and I'm going to get to you yeah, guys some more content. Been a minute so we're going to bring that back to you guys be on the lookout for that thank you guys once again for joining us this week we will see you guys next week and until then be kind to one another